<clears throat> All right, welcome, welcome everyone. All right, welcome. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be back. I, I think, um, personally, I can't believe it's already almost March and the weather's warming up. I know for some of us, we're thinking about playing basketball, but part of me just misses the snow and wishes there would be like a huge snowstorm that comes in at some point. But, um, but I can't believe it. And as we're moving into spring and just the the warm weather. I'm excited to talk about this new series, launch this new series that we, <clears throat> this uh, preaching team has been coming together and working on. And the, the topic is the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus through the Gospel of John. And we're really excited about this as we look through the Gospel of John and see rhythms and practices of Jesus, really looking at, you know, how did he live his life? What did he do? And specifically his practices and and, and hopefully that being an encouragement for us in this season as we talk about Lent and rhythms and practices. Because we had, a, a, during Advent season, Pastor Michael gave a great message about, about the incarnation of, of Jesus and how that is just so central to the doctrines and how Jesus modeled and lived out and was sent by God to us so that specifically in what it says in John, that we could see God revealed, right? It says here in John 1, just the beginning of John of saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And it ends in this prologue specifically for us. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Right? That, that God has sent his Son, this closest relationship, for us to be understand who he is, to, for him to be made known. It says in Colossians that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Right? That Jesus is a, is a son, image of the invisible God. And as we look, and as we look into this more and more, it even says that in Hebrews 1, that this pause, the author says the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, right? That, that we're going to look at the way of Jesus, how he lived and practiced. And I'm excited about this because it reveals part of the heart and who God is, a character of God, right? And we're going to look into this. And as we look more into this through the gospel of John, I'm excited to kind of go through this in ways that I hope will encourage each one of us to really think about what are some of the rhythms that we are to practice. And more, more so than that, what does this show of who God is and allowing us that he sent his son so that we can have this bridge and have this relationship with him, right? So today we're going to look specifically, just have an intro of this <clears throat> series in John 1 and where, where we see Jesus as he invites his disciples and the word come and see, all right? We see his practice and we're going to look at <clears throat> three things later on 
But first we're going to read in John 1, verses 35 through 42. Okay, it says this. The next day John was there again with, with two of his disciples. And this is when Jesus is calling his disciples, and starting to call and, and <clears throat> call his disciples. He's walking by John the Baptist. He says, when he saw John the Baptist, saw Jesus passing by, he says, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephalus, which <clears throat> when translated is Peter. Right, we're going to look at three things that, that what we see Jesus' practice and rhythm. <clears throat> One of them is his conversation with people, right? His conversation with people. And second, how he invited others to join in. Right? These practices, how he had these conversations, how he invited. And lastly, just to <clears throat> easily, sometimes we look into this that we think, wait, it's so easy to just always try to do and be moralistic and try to become like Jesus as an action, but rather that Jesus himself made the way. Right, we're going to look at these three points as we talk about the way of Jesus in John 1. The first thing when we see, when we see <clears throat> in this is that when Jesus, when the two disciples, when they see Jesus and they hear John the Baptist say, look, the Lamb of God, they turn to him, they follow, and Jesus specifically turns around and, see, and asks them, what do you want? What do you want? All right, in the ESV version, it's translated, what are you, see <clears throat> what are you seeking? And when we think about Jesus' conversations and his interactions with people, I think what's striking to me sometimes is just how direct he is and how much he really is just bringing perhaps even the, the subtle and the regular physical things that, that they're thinking about into a very deeper spiritual understanding and, and even spiritual need that they have. Right? He's asking this first purpose, what is your purpose and goal? And being very direct in, in these conversations. And I realize how often it is in my life and how, how hard it is perhaps when we think about having conversations with people. Right? <clears throat> I think about this in an interview setting, is that you're always prepared, you're ready to give these interview questions. And when you have job interviews, they ask you specific things, you're prepared for the company. <clears throat> and one of the things that they ask you to prepare for many times is to prepare your questions for the interviewers. Right? And that sometimes takes time to, to prep, to think, to look, and to research even what to ask. And that's actually one of the, <clears throat> what they say is one of the strong points sometimes for interviewers to see, wait, do they really know this, who we are, the company, the, the <clears throat> what they stand for, what they believe in? And it's a, it's a way to see. And I, actually, I think many times, I think that is something that I have to ask myself. How often when I talk to people, hang out, spend time, or even for each one of us, can we see in Jesus' conversation that it actually goes deeper from the surface level to something deeper of what we're thinking about, what we're, what we're wrestling with, 
what our purpose, what our goal, what we're striving for. And we see this not just in this conversation, but many times throughout Jesus' interaction with people, that he just is very direct and specific, and sometimes drawing out their deepest desires and the things that they are wrestling and thinking about. And I think about this, and I want to encourage in this, in this space, and a plug for it, for those who haven't signed up for community groups, this is one of the pictures from our community group in Ellicott City that I asked this morning uh, Robert to send to me. But it, it is a place that we hope that it's a space for people to be able to invite, to share life, to speak truth, to love one another, right? And especially in a time after being away and isolated and through Zoom for, at least for me, for so long, having conversations in person and being able to talk and share and study and see and even hopefully encourage one another in the rhythms of what Jesus and what he revealed and what encourages us in our relationship with God. Right, is that these are the spaces along with asking ourselves, really, what does it look like for us to to speak and to share with one another? Not just in this space, but in your workplaces, in your communities, your neighbors. Because honestly, our culture probably sometimes is not one that encourages us to talk about faith. Right, we, can, we can be spiritual, but not religious. Right, you can have a lot of plurality, intellectual conversations, but if you get into more conversations about perhaps your own faith and your walk with God, our cultures usually ask us, wait, don't talk about that. But I think there is a yearning, just like what we see with these disciples, a yearning for every person, that there's these deep things that our heart yearns for, that we desire these conversations that needs to be drawn out to have spaces to have. And we see that in Jesus' life. That quite honestly, when we think about this, we're all natural evangelists. Whatever we're excited about, the things that we love, we naturally talk about. We don't have to think too much into, how do I share? We just naturally talk about. You know, if you, <clears throat> when you get to know me and as you hear more, there are times where especially when I love snowboarding and there's this picture of this, these are, this is one of my favorite kind of sceneries is when I see snow covered on trees and this specifically a empty trail that I get to go all by myself with snow on the floor and I just be, I'm able to sit and just relax. And I think I see the beauty of God's creation and who he is in that stillness in that moment. And it's easy for me to talk about it with friends, whether in church, out of church, my high school friends now, my neighbors, because it's something I love, something I'm excited about. Perhaps for those who are foodies that like to eat at different restaurants, it's easy to talk about, oh, this is what I enjoy, this, this particular recipe or this particular plate, this dish that we want to encourage other people to, to get. Likewise, perhaps it's not so difficult to kind of think about what does it look like for me to be able to have these kind of conversations if, if we're excited and loving and seeing the way that Jesus moves in our lives. What's interesting, as he, Jesus brings up in this conversation, what do you want? I think what's interesting is actually he also makes himself available to the people, to these two disciples that are asking questions. It says this, it says, 
the, the two disciples like, where are you staying? And the way that he responds, it's amazing. He says, come, you will see. And he says, so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. It sounds like they stayed overnight, and they stayed in the same location with, with Jesus and was able to spend the whole day with him. Not only was Jesus having these interactions, he made time, made himself accessible, available, and it allowed people to come and see what he, who he's about, what he teaches, and especially specifically when we look at John, revealing the invisible God. All right, they spent the whole day. I don't know what that looks like in terms of what conversations they had with Jesus. But I think what's interesting is that when Jesus opens himself up and is available to those around him, right? So he has that conversation. He doesn't stop there. He makes himself then, invites them and others to join in, makes himself available in the conversations, right? This sermon series, at least for today, is not particularly so much about what Jesus teaches, but how he practices his life. Because it's, our, it's related. It's not just what we say, it's what we do. Perhaps sometimes even what's unsaid speaks just as loud as what is said. And what we see in Jesus is that he invites them into his life where he's staying. I don't know what he's doing but invites them and has that conversation, whatever he may have planned, whatever he may have wanted to do, that he's able to just have those margins to have that, those conversations. He says, come and you will see. You know, I, I can't imagine what it looks like for these two disciples, along with many of them that walked with Jesus for years, for those three years, and what they saw and what they experienced. And when they saw that and experienced it, that that would be one of this platform of transformation, of understanding and seeing the invisible God right in front of them. It was a small decision for them to just say, where are you staying? But we see that in, in this kind of light of eternity of what we see even in the Gospel of John, that their lives were never the same again after that. I do wonder what it looks like for us when we encounter, when we experience God, right? For these two men, when they said, when they wanted to follow, Jesus said, come and see, and their life was never the same. I'm leading a group of discipleship called Experiencing God. I myself have not gone through, I've heard so many great things, and we're doing it together. But one of the things that stands out to me as we talk about this is not necessarily one of the main purpose of this or the drive of authors trying to put across. It's not what is God doing in my life, but rather what is God doing around me, right? About to, to, to be able to see not what God, what I want to see God doing in my life, but rather opening my eyes to see, well, God, what are you doing around me? What are you doing that I could join in, that I could see and understand? And what happens after that when we experienced observed and seen. How do we respond to that? Do you know, I think about this as Peter is on the boat and he sees Jesus and he says, call out to me and I'll walk. I'll get out of the boat and I'll walk. And Jesus calls out and he's able to take a few steps. But then he sees the waves and he loses his focus on Jesus in the story and he starts to sink and he sees, and it says Jesus comes and then 
picks him up. Right? But this idea that when he was able to have this, I would say, this amazing experience, and that it doesn't always need to be these amazing experiences. It's the ordinary, the, the regular that they saw in those three years. But it's what they observed, listened, and understood that they then, their lives started to change. I think for us, I think that is a question for me. It's that what happens when you do see what God is doing? What then? Because oftentimes you could want to see what God is doing, but not necessarily, not necessarily participate or want to do anything else. Right? We can ask God, hey, God, please speak to me. Be a part of this. Show me. But the reality is, and the challenge is that when Jesus has come and see, is that many people also left. Right? Throughout this time, we see throughout in the gospel that many were excited, yearning to see Jesus, thousands of people. But there are also many that left and definitely some that stayed. But that, that is a challenge for each one of us as we see in his pattern, his, his practices, that he challenges people in, in their heart, in their struggle, but at the same time, he bids them to follow him. And that their life would be weaved in to what he was doing into this <clears throat> redemption story that we see. I think <clears throat> when we think about this, I want to end with this last point and simple point, because oftentimes we could just be doing things and trying to live our lives in good Christian ways. But the last point I want to mention is how Jesus made the way. All right, it's interesting what you see here in John 1, <clears throat> what Andrew, what he had, when they had these conversations that day that they spent with Jesus, that it was profound enough in ways that he grabs his brother and he tells him this. He says, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. All right, this idea that they have found the Messiah, whatever the conversation was, these, <clears throat> Andrew was already a disciple of John the Baptist, probably heard about this idea of Lamb of God in Isaiah, understood to a certain degree what he was talking about. But that they were looking for, they, the Jewish people at that time were looking for the Messiah, for a prophet, for a king, to take them out of what they've been going through. But he understood probably only to a part. But when he brought his friends, to, when he brought his brother, and you see other parts when he brought people to Jesus, that over time they understood until when the Holy Spirit revealed it to them. And the reason why I say Jesus made the way is this. is <clears throat> in John 1, earlier on, John the Baptist says this specifically, and this is why the two disciples followed Jesus. He says this. When he saw Jesus passing by, John the Baptist, he says, Look, the Lamb of God. This understanding the Lamb of God, the sacrificial, the understanding in that time, the sacrifice. Perhaps they didn't understand the whole details and all the specifics, and they didn't understand the whole thing, but for us to see it in hindsight, this understanding the Lamb of God, is that already God was making the way. And as he, was, as he sent his Son for him to reveal who he is and to draw us to him, that he has made the way for us to have this relationship. That it is not so much about, okay, I, 
<clears throat> I, I see Jesus' practices, his rhythms. Let me check mark it in my life, but rather that he has made the way for us to have this relationship with God. I find it harder and harder as I even think about it sometimes of just even trying to teach my kids what does it look like to have a relationship with God? It doesn't mean that we just read the Bible every day or pray, but what would it look like in our lives to allow them to understand and to see Jesus in our day-to-day, in our everyday lives? What would it look like for our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers to even see that? Would our conversations, would our interactions be any different? And I think this is a challenge when I think about the practices of Jesus, that he had these specific conversations that drew out deeper deeper things that people were thinking, wrestling with. Not only that, he made himself available to have continued those conversations to wrestle with, to walk with. And in those three years that these people would then become the people that he would use to spread his, the good news of his life. And I wonder about that in our lives, that we would see that Jesus is the way that when we see his life his death, and as we celebrate Easter, resurrection, that that joy would allow us to naturally speak of who he is for those who are believers in ways that just draw people to him, that draws out joy. And so that's our prayer as we enter into the season of Lent, as we enter in together to ask ourselves, what would be the rhythms and the practices in our lives that would draw us, that would recenter us with Jesus, that would remind us of who he is in our lives, which then would allow us to naturally share the good news of who he is in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that as we worship today, Lord, as we come before you, that May our words and our heart and our praise be pleasing to you, Lord. May we move around, away from being a part of a religion, but being having this relationship with you, Lord. We thank you that you revealed yourself, that, you, that God, you sent your son so that we would be able to understand, relate to who you are, Lord. And that, Lord, that we can have this relationship with you in in real, tangible ways, Lord. I pray in the season of Lent, would you help us, Lord, to practice, remind us of a rhythm to practice so that we would recenter and focus our eyes on you, Lord. Lord, help us and give us those conversations those interactions, those divine appointments in our lives that we would be able to meet and share of your love, Lord. Will we make ourselves available in ways that you have made yourself available to us, Lord, that we would be able to call upon you anytime and speak and share. Lord, thank you for loving us, that we may love one another. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, as we look into your word, Lord, 
May you just remind us of how you lived, of how you've called us to be sent just like how you sent your son, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your sacrifice, for your blood that washed our sins, Lord, that we don't have to be perfect. We're thankful that we don't, that you receive us and call us to you, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray for this time, Lord. May you just speak. May we be able to come and see, Lord, what you are doing around us, Lord. Help us to have eyes to see, eyes of faith. Give us the, your Holy Spirit to soften our hearts to see, Lord, what you are doing around us. And Lord, give us the faith and encouragement to join you in what you are doing. We love you, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.